0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: He turns. He
0: fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Bibby has the open shot. Yeah! Ladies and
1: gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your...
2: Welcome to the King's Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, King's Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. Joining me today, Mr. Sean Cunningham of
1: ABC10. What's up, Sean? Oh, man, I'm in a food slumber coma from Thanksgiving. So much uh, good times. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I love the people who eat Dinner at a regular, regularly scheduled time for Thanksgiving because these people who eat at like two and three, just, just are, I don't get it. I, I understand. I, everyone's taking. I know we have people who, that we follow who are on the East Coast, but I'm literally seeing people I know are not on the East Coast taking pictures of their food already sitting down, and it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Sure. I, it's a long way of saying I'm annoyed, but I'm happy. I'm glad we have uh, King's basketball coming up tonight and I'm glad Thanksgiving's in the rear view. How are you? There we go. So, Sean,
2: I have uh I, we talked about this a little bit on the pod. Um, my wife and I, we for the last 20, I don't know, we've been together 25 years. Um, we have this this deal where we go to my mom's house in the morning. This year it's at my aunt's because my my mom had some uh surgery on her on, on her left hand, so she couldn't do all the cooking. But we go to my mom's house typically. And we eat around two and they push dinner up specifically so we can eat with them. And then we go to my in-laws house and we eat again at like five. Mm. And so we get double Thanksgiving, although this year it was pushed back a bit. And so we weren't able to stick around for dinner at the first house. We only had dinner at the second house. Um, but normally i get two thanksgivings on the same day and so all of you who think you got fat on thanksgiving i get double fat every year on thanksgiving and it, it's a bit of a trip
1: man that sounds like good problems though
2: yeah but sean we talked i don't like taking pictures of food and posting them
1: i don't I, either i think it's weird
2: i think it's weird too like we went to uh what is it crew is that yeah yeah, yeah crew love crew the really nice uh, shout out Billy. No. Yeah. Really, really nice restaurant in, in Sacramento. Right. And, um, we, we did like the wine pairing with another couple one night. So we sat at the bar and they made everything right in front of us. And it was like full, I don't know if it was like 14 course or something, but the courses are literally smaller than a golf ball. You know, it's, it's just one little piece of whatever, but it was amazing. And every single, thing that came out my wife's friend took a picture of and then she made make made this like giant storybook of our one night and to me it's i, I just i just want to eat i just want to eat and god bless her you know now we have it all tracked
1: yeah we know I
2: think exactly the only, what we
1: ate that one night <laughs> the only i think the only time i might be guilty of it like once in a blue moon and it's like typically when i'm grilling something because i always get kind of like proud of my my grilling capabilities <laughs> and and maybe I shouldn't because I probably suck, but like, it, like, I don't know. I, I do it so infrequently that I'm like, oh, check me out. Like, look at this. I got a ribeye on Like take that or whatever. I don't know. It's a little bit of a humble brag on my part, but then, yeah, there's that. Or anytime, if you know me, like, I love shrimp like most people think oh yeah shrimp's cool but it's like no it's like one of my favorite foods and I I'm like Bubba Gump I could have shrimp any kind of way and hopefully it's the spicy kind and <laughs> it's either my my Korean aunt's you know like Korean bean paste that, that they cook it with and saute it with and it's super spicy so anytime I have that I'll take a picture of it maybe but um or my favorite Mexican dish camarones a la diabla and I like sending it to a friend of mine because she loves it just as much as I do. And every time I have it, I'll take a picture of it and send it to her with like, and she'll usually hit me back with like a huge middle finger. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's take care of some business.
2: Uh, number one, again, big shout out to Paul Jinkerson. Um, I, I'm digging, I'm digging the, the new intro and outro, and I've got really positive feedback on it. So good work on that. Absolutely spectacular. And of course, John Santiago who helped edit everything together. Um, so big shout out there. And then Sean, um, I, I wrote, I was telling you this before we came on, I, I wrote long form on the situation that happened over the weekend when Luke Walton was let go and just sort of the insider look. Uh, but unfortunately, there was never the right time to publish. Uh, it, it just worked out. My whole entire week was was odd i had different things that scheduled at different times and was not able to get that out so i've decided that if you're a paid subscriber to the king's beat then hidden in your podcast email uh, that will go out on friday is long form insider information on what exactly transpired and what it means for all of the principles in uh in this whole coaching switchover and how strange it was And so if you're a paid subscriber, uh, that is what you're going to start getting as part of your paid subscription. Something very unique, something very different, and definitely something that you're not going to get normally from anyone that, you know, is, we're going to drop some some truth bombs and some major insider information. So uh, if you are not a paid subscriber, feel free to jump on board. And if you do it in the next, like, 48 hours I'll, I'll send you copy of what i i wrote and sent out if you don't want to do that that's fine uh we're very happy with how we're growing here and everything is going swimmingly mr sean cunningham swimmingly um, it was almost
1: like a black friday special you have going on there
2: it is it is almost like a black friday special except for you're gonna pay the same rate no uh, lines and no fights <laughs> yeah you're gonna get uh the clean unadulterated you know truth according to james and what i've seen and what i've heard and what uh what i know to be true of this situation and uh it to be honest sean it it's not real pretty
1: is it no it's not and it's a it's i think, i like that story is like a stocking stuffer that's that you know i feel like there's some feel good that can come from it i mean obviously there's going to be a kick to the nuts for sure or the chestnuts in these uh in these <laughs> holiday times but yeah i mean it's it, there's a the I feel like yeah I feel like if you search hard enough you can find some optimism there and I tried to like shine the light on some of that optimism in our last podcast but I feel like I feel like there's enough you can build out and feel some optimism I think look there's there's going to be those there's going to be those naysayers and those people who will point to history and say it's repeating itself and yeah it's kind of true and it is true but the glimmer of hope is that That Well, I don't want to give it away again, but we don't have to go down that road. But if you shine the light bright enough, you can find the glimmer of hope. And I think there's a glimmer of hope there. Sean
2: is much more optimistic (laughs) than James is. (laughs) He's much more optimistic. Um, so I, I'm going to add this to for, uh, for everybody out there starting next week, I'm going to start doing running the video. Cause Sean and I have actually been doing video on all of these, I'm and waving we, to you. we, yeah, we see each other and we wave at each other and we actually have <laughs> conversations, you know, like we're, we're on the same zoom screen. Um, but I, for some reason I, well, it's, it's a time issue. Like I don't have a ton of time, especially with games every other day and, three games and four nights and a coach getting fired on the one day that there wasn't a game. Um, <laughs> it just, it really does hamper our ability to sort of be nimble in this situation. Uh, so I'm going to start posting these videos, the video clips of, of our conversations on YouTube. Uh, I already have the Kings beat YouTube channel. Um, I just haven't started filling it up with, with cool information, um, and cool stuff like this. So, uh, lastly if, before we get into the discussion today if there are things we're doing that you like or things we're doing that you don't like tell us like if you're gonna tell us that you don't like the business of basketball we're gonna ignore you because Sean and I do like the business of basketball the business
1: of basketball Oh, here we go I get triggered when I hear that yeah
2: Sean gets triggered he gets <laughs> going um so but if there are other things that that you do like, or you don't like or way that we're doing some of the things or the writing, you know, what do you need more of? What do you need less of? Um, I, then hit me up on Twitter or send uh, send an email. You can find my, my stuff uh, in, in my bio on Twitter or on the King's beat. You can send me a note. We just want as much feedback as possible. We're going to schedule the first virtual happy hour. The yeah, first when do Kings- we drink? Kings beat happy hour. It's going to, I think it's going to be determined by what days off you, you have uh, Sean, and and we're going to figure out which day it'll probably be next week. Um, But you'll get a couple of notifications on that. I just want to make sure everyone knows Uh, and that's for paid subscribers. Um, And it's going to be a good time. We're going to sit around. We're going to tell stories. We're going to take your, your comments and uh, your questions and just kind of get you even a deeper inside look into what's happening and, and who we are and all that stuff. All right, Sean, let's get to it. Alvin Gentry is now the second winningest coach in Sacramento <laughs> Kings history per Facts. win percentage. Yes. Facts. At, uh, at 500, he has done something that no other coach outside of Rick Adelman has been able to, uh, to do. He is 500. Sean, what are your thoughts on Alvin Gentry, 500 coach?
1: Oh, just the best coach ever, right? Like put him, just leave now, Alvin, just go just, ahead and go just now. Leave now. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were moments where in there we saw in that very first game where we're like, Oh man, 12 points in the fourth quarter. Are you trying to get your interim coach fired? Cause we've seen that before. And, yeah. Uh, no, I, 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 you know, I think I'm pretty biased here. I think if, if you know my history, I love Alvin Gentry as a human being and as a, and as a coach um i think that having him around these players is a good thing um to be fair it was a good thing before he became the head coach i mean yeah. he got here last season so i've been saying the same thing but um i i've really enjoyed the 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 three well four press conferences we've had now with alvin because uh it's a little bit of a mixed bag you never know what you're going to get he has a lot of truth serum and uh he just kind of says it like it is and go from hey Uh, There's not going to be a whole lot of changes. It's going to be the same philosophy. It's still my offense, um, but we need more from the core players to that absolute curb stomping that they got. And then he's just like, I don't care what the back of the jersey says. We're going to go with guys that run and guys that compete and listen to me and all these things. And I'm like, okay, well, how's that work for someone like Darren Fox, who, you know, has clearly had his struggles and um, obviously is the franchise head of the snake. And (laughs) (laughs) what's that look like? And then we saw what that looked like when De'Aaron got kicked out of the game. And then in the postseason, and then they go on and win that game. I mean, they're down three starters, and they win that game. And uh, it was it was a bit odd. And it, it's a second victory over Portland this season. And, and we kind of – if you listen to the Kings Beat podcast, you kind of get these like – I don't know. Like, I, I, at one point, I felt like – I think I called myself Sean Stradamus, or so it was more like yep. a Nostradamus in a way, because I, I felt like De'Aaron had to have a big game against against Dame. And you he did. did you called that i yeah
2: yeah he, he had, had a huge kid
1: until he got tossed. until he got tossed and um and we can get that in a minute but it's like again this team won without they had contributions from darren darren but it was like we know that this team has a struggle in closing out games and they they were able to do it without three starters one guy you haven't seen a lot of and damian jones another guy that we never know what's going to happen with, with marvin bagley And it was a fun game. Bagley hits a big shot, overcomes some early adversity in that game. And then then back to the Alvin part, you get into the Alvin press conference and it's just more little gems, more little gems that just make you, you know, smile. And and he openly admits as he's getting off the stage, I'm just too old for this as like the lethal weapon, Danny Glover moment. And yes, he did. (laughs) Yes. Admits like the rest of us, he hadn't slept in two days. And I know it's more, you know, more pressure on him than it is for us necessarily. Cause again, it is, it's not digging a ditch, but it's a different type of workflow. And just you're, you're as James, and I know you can relate to this, like the, everything that's just on our plate from a work standpoint is massive this past week. So it was, you know, it was good to get away. I'm looking forward to the game tonight against the Lakers um, and this road trip, because it is the Lakers. It's a team that has struggled. And Memphis is a team that has shown some real promise and, you know, I I hate to be the guy that's like, Oh, one win can, can do a lot, but it does take, it does kind of let a little bit of that pressure out of that balloon. And they did it in a way that was like, good for you guys. I mean, you guys really had to get out a win. You don't, we we have some question marks regarding Rashawn Holmes and and Harrison Barnes going forward. So what does that look like? But Mm -hmm. you won one of those games where you didn't have three starters and it's against a very talented, albeit, uh, just odd portland team i mean i think we can agree there it's very odd but it's a very talented team and it's again it's a it's a game you needed to have and they probably had a they were on the second night of a back-to-back they probably remembered what happened in opening night when they took you a little bit too lightly up in the moda center yep and you needed this win you got it from contribution i mean this this win could not to be corny it could go a long way i feel
2: Well, it it certainly goes a long way further than the eight losses in nine games. Um, You know, I I, I think it's funny. I had a conversation with someone within the walls of of Golden One Center. And, you know, they're like, you know, we've got to we've got to be better. We can't keep losing, you know, having these like nine game losing streaks. And my point was, well, you, you went you had two four game losing streaks with a win in the middle. If you would have done that last season, instead of having two nine game losing streaks, you went one and eight over both of those losing streaks, then you would have had two more wins. Two more wins would have tied you for the play-in spot at the 10th seed. And so you, you want to take little bits of positivity away from some of these things. And while I hate seeing this team play the way that they have and kind of give up the way that they did, I uh, there is a little bit of positivity that they they haven't had a nine game losing streak. It, it feels like it, but they haven't. And so I know that Thanks sounds Detroit. Really, <laughs> yeah, it sounds really strange. But hey, you you play the teams on the schedule, right? Uh, the problem that they have is that you know of those eight losses, maybe five or six of them were games that you probably should have. If you want to be a playoff team, they're games you should have won, and so the record should be much better. So. Look, this is our third podcast this week, and this is a little different. We're going to do emergency podcasts like what we did on Sunday um, from uh, what was it Vine and Grain. Uh, we're going to do things like that on occasion. We're going to have our normal Tuesday podcast, which you're you're going to get. We're going to have our normal Thursday, uh, but this week is different because of Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, again, we're recording this on Friday, so we're not going to we can't have a guest where we can't ask somebody to give up their Thanksgiving and Sean and I weren't giving up our Thanksgiving either. So, you know, this podcast is going to be more centric to what we're seeing, but I think this is Sean, this is such a pivotal moment with the Kings because they got their first one under Alvin Gentry and you're looking at what's coming next. And, you know, the schedule does get a lot more difficult, but I think we all believe that it doesn't really matter who's on the schedule with this team, it really matters how they play and how they come out and play. And so I, I was pleasantly surprised with how they played against Portland. I was, But I also think within that game, there were so many nuggets of different things that we can point to. So the first one, let's get to Fox. And we needed to see more from him. And I think we started to see it. And not only that, but I think we started to see a little bit of the genius of alvin gentry as a as a play caller and as someone who he told us coming into the game he had made a couple of adjustments again
1: i like what may- i said i like by the way because he says like yeah there's gonna be some subtle subtle adjustments and i said oh you can, can and i followed your question up i said can can you you know reveal some of those subtle adjustments and then he didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh no, he wasn't gonna tell us. He wasn't well, gonna tell
2: us. But I think what we saw was, was was pretty. You could see it like right away. Like it, they uh, they kept running. Buddy Hield off the top screen, and everyone's, you know, totally focused in on Buddy Hield coming off the the top. And then all of a sudden, Mo Harkless is standing underneath the basket by himself, and De'Aaron Fox is firing BBs to to Harkless underneath and Harkless has you know he tied his season high of 12 points and actually I think Harkless would have scored more if they would have needed him in the in the fourth quarter you know he was having a really good game and that's sort of a revenge game for him but I, I think when it comes to Fox we we always want to say oh you know he's got to use his speed he's, like he has to be better at creating for others we got to a point where you know it was okay that he he averaged seven assists a game last season because he's averaging 25 points. But now he's down to like six assists a game. And it's like, okay, well, he's had a bad start. The excuses have to stop. Like he yeah. needs to get up to a, a point where he basically is, it, at least gets you what John Wall used to get, right? Which is like 20 and eight with the potential for 20 and 10. And we haven't really got to that point where I even feel at any point in the season, where he can get you ten assists, but I think the creativity that we saw with Alvin adding some wrinkles, number one, it's going to open things up for Buddy Healed, because if they have to defend the role guy, you're not going to have guys hedging so far up to stuff Buddy, and that's a good thing. But then I think we're going to get to start to see a little bit of Alvin Gentry's personality sprinkled in here and there, and that will only help De'Aaron Fox. That. I think De'Aaron Fox is extremely intelligent on a basketball court, but he almost needs someone to say, look, we're going to, we need you to do this play, this play, this play. You know, it can't always be about you just running downhill. It's got to be about, okay, let's run some play sets and I need you to execute in those play sets as well, which is something that I, I thought we saw early in that game. Uh, and then, you know, of course he was coming back in in the fourth and we would have seen what happened then, but even the play that he was thrown out on, um, I mean, first of all, I, I thought it would like it was a totally different play than we normally see. He broke right through the middle of two guys, and then I, I don't even know what happened there. It looked like C.J. McCollum grabbed his hand, and De'Aaron Fox got called for the foul, and then Fox wouldn't stop. You know, he got he got angry and said the magic words a couple of times. What did, what did Crash call him? Well, I don't. Crash, I
1: didn't. Crash Davis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you get tossed out of the game. It's basically what happened. I mean, he used, used these words you couldn't use. And this we we, they, they showed what they were going to be early in this game. I mean, there were technicals all over the place. I mean, go back to the Robert Covington play where he, I, I had video of it. Like Covington just kind of, he tossed his facial mask over towards the feet of the official. Um They called that a hostile act, which it, I mean, it wasn't, and then they reviewed it and they still thought it was, but I get it. Uh This, I think this official, this officiating staff was, was feeling themselves a little bit i mean uh they had a very short leash on a lot of guys james williams Derek collins jonathan sterling are the officials we're talking about and uh when fox got tossed i mean he picked up his tech i i i know he didn't think he got his money's worth with that first tech and then just decided he wanted to say a few other things and it, it was a quick it was a quick trigger at that point and he was
2: yeah. gone even I saw six Buddy minutes healed. in the
1: fourth, right? It's like six minutes left in the fourth, I think. Yeah, six
2: or seven. Yeah, I mean, but you saw, and he didn't come in until like the eight minute mark. He had just mm-hmm. gotten back in the game. And I think you saw Buddy coming over. You guess you saw Ty, Tyrese Halliburton coming over, trying to get him away from the official. And it was too late. But to your point, I, that game got chippy early. I think yeah. the officials were trying to rein it back in. I think I even tweeted that out that, you know, first of all, they started giving fouls to everybody. And uh, my, my go-to in that, like where John Bull loves to do the let's go kid running around screaming GIF,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, I do the, the Oprah Winfrey, you know, you get a car, you get a car, because that's what it felt like. Everyone, everyone was getting a foul call, but then we had the near altercation between uh, Nurkic and Mo Harkless, and you could feel the temperature rising, and to me, that was the best thing at, that I've seen. This team was showing fight, which I had not seen. This team really, to me, had has not shown any fight for the last two weeks. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, it's go
1: time. I, right. We're not okay with this. You know, even Rashawn and Holmes two guys got- who are just close friends. And, you know, it'd be yeah. like, you'd be like you and I chipping off at each other all of a sudden.
2: <laughs> yeah. And like, we even saw it afterwards. Like uh, there's a picture from Rocky uh, who's incredible. He's been a photographer for what is it for
1: the nba right For yeah. like for like Rocky i wouldn't know like any images and just something has great, yeah he, he, he's great follow on instagram too because he puts a lot of stuff up that ordinarily you probably wouldn't see and he had the great shot of mo and nurkic just kind of yeah. hugging it out and smiling at each other so that
2: big smile on on harkless's face after they they almost went to blows at at midcourt like look that's what the kings need the kings have to they have to be able to take a punch Which Nurkic delivered in the first half. I mean, Nurkic. What do you have? He had fourteen and ten in the first quarter.
1: It was crazy.
2: Yeah, it was. He dominated, but the Kings made adjustments. the The Kings figured out a way to stop that. They stuck with Dame even when he hit some ridiculous shots, and he still doesn't look like the same Damian Lillard of old. And why he complained a lot when he blatantly fouled Kings players, like. Like normally he's always asking for a foul, but when he like just mugged Harrison Barnes, when he got, uh he got switched and Harrison had him pinned down
1: in the post and he just mugs him.
2: And then he's <coughs> going to the officials. Like,
1: Man. I think what he was doing was, was complaining about the play that on the other end that before that though. Oh, it's possible. Yeah, Yeah. yeah Cause he yeah. came over and mugged Harrison, but it was like, okay, I'm going to show you what a foul is. <laughs> and Like down here is exactly what he thought happened to him, and it wasn't. And you know, and James, I mean, you talked about like just the just the subtle differences. I mean, I think it was even you who pointed out that like that Alvin Gentry said pace a lot, two hundred times, Yeah, I mean, it was like, I mean, (laughs) and and you saw it like the team was absolutely running and gunning out of the gate. Now, granted, like Nurkic got off right, but I was wondering, I was like, okay, will they be able to keep their foot on the pedal? And to the point guards credit from Fox to Halliburton to even Davion Mitchell, who I thought was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton thought that it was probably his best game as a pro. Now I know small sample size through what 18 games, 19 games, whatever, but uh, he had a career high at a certain point, but I thought he Tyrese was right. I mean, the way he owned the offense set picked up that tempo from what you even saw to begin the game he was tremendous. And I, and Alvin's like, Oh, I want to give him, I want everyone to get, I want this team to get a hundred shots a game. Yeah. It might not be possible, but we're, that's what we're going to strive to do. And sometimes you can see some pretty ugly, bad basketball when you do that. But this team, and I know we've talked about it over the past few weeks is like this, this team needs to score. I, I mean, I know they need to defend and I know you need to have that, that emphasis on things, but they've gotten away from scoring. And and I think it was Tyrese who came out and said, it was just good to get 120 points again. Yeah, we hadn't seen yeah. that. We, they'd been held to under hundred points several times this season already in this, in, during this bad stretch and things were clicking, they're shooting over 52%. And I mean, the things, this, this looked like, okay, this looked like Kings basketball, kind of this thing we got used to under the, the Jaeger era where they could just run with this Ferrari and this team and these guys could match them. And, you got some pieces out there that were actually running the ball pretty well. And I, I thought their, their shot percentage was a lot better. I thought their choice of shots were better. Um, they weren't some of the threes they were taken. Didn't feel to be jack up threes like we've seen in the past. Uh, and they got in the paint. And, and I, you know, I was like, man, you know what scoring the basketball sure feels good guys.
2: <laughs> I think they lost their identity. And if that's the one indictment, I will pin directly on Luke they did not have an identity for over two years. And that's unfortunate that he was never able to capture that identity. I mean, because in all honesty, Dave Yeager had no identity with the team for two years either. It was in the third season where it was like, okay, we're going to be this balls to the wall sprinting team. And then, you know, we're hearing murmurs. Well, maybe this team is not in great shape and, and does not have the ability to run, run, run like Alvin wanted to. And they're going to have to run them into shape through games. Um, But, you know, I kind of felt like I want to bring him like a big bottle of Pace Picante sauce and just, you know, the (laughs) New York City, you know, like that's, he just kept saying it, Pace, Pace. Oh, you're going to ask me a question about rebounding,
1: Pace. Pace, Yeah, it
2: it was like, oh, okay, you're going to, we ask about a specific player, Pace.
1: Well, Uh, and it's funny because it's on the heels of Michael Malone in Denver just over a week ago saying, Pace is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, well,
2: but that's a jab at the Kings. We we both know yes. that. That's a jab yes. at, at uh Vivek Ronadive, who, you know, Malone still holds a, a a massive grudge against. But it was all that he was supposed to. T- Everyone kept saying pace, 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 and he kept saying, like, I just want to win games. Like right. defense, defense is what wins games. And then he gets to Denver and is first season there, doesn't he run like the fastest pace and has a high scoring offense in the NBA and like, look, I can coach a lot of different ways, but mm-hmm. it's about winning. It's about playing defense. And we got bounced because we didn't play defense. And so I don't want to hear about pace and about scoring and about all this stuff. It's fun. It looks cool. It does not win. And so, so I think it's funny that Alvin is is going down that path and, but it's so incredibly like loud. He just won't stop saying it. And that's okay. That's okay. Because again, just to get back to Fox, that's who Fox is. I even used your, your, uh, Ferrari on blocks, uh, you know, quote. And I I said that to Alvin in pregame and he's like, yeah, we, we've got to run. That is who the identity of this team could be. So Sean, I'm going to make this statement. I am a okay with De'Aaron Fox getting thrown out of that game. I think De'Aaron Fox, we need to see him find his edge. And if he needs to be a dude who barks at an official a couple of times, I don't want him getting thrown out of every game because that's not going to be productive. Mm-hmm. But when the injustices start to to like build and the frustration starts to build, I think he's a worse player. I think he he bricks shots. I need him to be able to vocalize his frustration. And you know, in some point. Alvin Gentry needs to step in and say something and, and get a tech. Uh, you know, we saw it with Luke and I think his last game, he picked up a tech. You need to see this team start to stand up for each other more often. And sometimes that does mean that you yell and scream at an official and demand respect. And, and so I'm okay with Fox. I, you know, again, you know what you're up against in that situation. You've already lost, what, four in a row. You're on the ropes. So Fox should have been smarter and stuck around in the game but how many times have we seen in the past where a player gets thrown out and his team rallies and and takes it home and i'm not sure that fox fully had that as his mindset but i'm also not going to say that he didn't like he didn't feel it a little bit like let's let's i'm going to show emotion and if it gets me tossed out of the game that's fine but we need to start playing with more heart with more energy with more with more fight And so I'm okay with him getting tossed and, and, you know, again, if it happens again, I'm okay with that too. It's not like we're in a DeMarcus Cousins situation where, you know, you're at like 16th technical and there's still, you know, 45 games left in the season and the next one he's getting suspended. That's, that's when it's unacceptable. But uh, I think for Fox to show some fire and to show that he's willing to stand up for himself, I
1: I think is a good thing. I love the fire for sure, but I I do want to, offer just a slight devil's advocate here what if what if they had gotten their head kicked in again and they and they lost
2: well that just shows the fragility of the scene which i think is
1: something that we talk about well yeah we already we already know that we already know but being down those three starters like fox gets tossed and then like seconds later we find out that harrison had been you know ruled out for the the game game with a sprain, spring right foot right and then yeah so my point is is like like i think we I think we feel that way from a generic standpoint and Mm -hmm. obviously knowing that they won the game and these guys stepped up and, you know, and were able to fill some of those voids. I get it. But if they had, let's say at that, from that six minute Mark Fox gets tossed, it's a 21 to six run the rest of the way and Portland closes out. I think the conversation's different. Well, it's all on Fox. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, at that point, I'm like, you can't get kicked out of the game with that. Like, you got to recognize your importance. You, you don't have these two starters. And I, I, so I think, like, I do agree with you. Like, there needs to be more of an edge to him. And I think that's, to be honest, what he was trying to show. But I think a lot of it comes off as just griping towards officials. I mean, certainly he's not the only NBA player that does that. Um, but he's not but that it, guy. Like, I mean, I watch Luca.
2: I mean, he can be a sarcastic. He can't. He can't. But what yeah. he's not, he's not like Luca. He's not like James Harden, who. Oh, nowhere near. Like, nowhere they near. literally are asking the official for a foul on every single play. And it doesn't matter. You know, they're they're begging and demanding a foul on yeah. every play. And Luca, I mean, I don't think I've ever watched Luca play
1: against Sacramento Kings where he didn't pick up a technical.
2: Right. It seems like every
1: single time. I want to see the edge from Fox, but unfortunately we're talking about him getting kicked out of the game for essentially griping to an official. And I just don't think that's the same thing. Um, Now, granted, he's the, he's the voice, he's their best player in in regards. He's the one that the officials will listen to. I mean, they get it. So to a degree, I see the point, but I do feel like if they had got their head kicked in, And it's just another loss. I think where the conversation is a lot different. Um, I do like the fact though, that, I mean, I'm looking down in that huddle every single, every single, we're not, we don't really know what's being said, but just the, it just looks different. It just completely looks different. Alvin is more engaged. He's talking individually to players. Not that Luke didn't do that, but it's definitely looks different. I mean, Alvin's pulling guys aside individually. I mean, he's kind of, screaming at one guy one minute and you know each one's being held accountable um it, it it has a different type of feel to it granted it's brand new it's only the second game that we've yeah. seen in this alvin gentry era but um it we does call look it brand the new.
2: 500
1: alvin gentry era yes here, the here second winningest
2: coach <laughs> the second winningest coach in in sacramento king's history alvin gentry uh, um but yeah sean I, I get what you're saying uh I, And, you know, to a certain degree, like when I watch what Alvin is doing, I think the weird thing with, with Luke was he and his coaches would go, he and a group of coaches would go out on the court and then like the defensive guy would go in and start going through the assignments. What was coming next? That was always slightly strange to me where it seemed like the coach, he, he had like a weird hands-off approach within a timeout, which I I never quite, I I never asked him about it, but I never quite understood either. It was almost like he wasn't going to coach that moment that someone else was going to coach that moment. And, you know, a lot of times I would like to see a specific play that Luke Walden drew up or, you know, I I know like in certain, like he did play sets coming out of timeouts for game winning shots and stuff like that. So I'm not saying that Uh, what I am saying is there, there are many times where I saw the defensive coach go into a huddle and having the conversation with the team and not Luke Walton. And that's just his style of, of handling things. But I I thought it was a bit strange. Uh, Now let's get to the, you know, Sean, I, I think the cool thing is Fox gets thrown out of the game and the Kings don't crumble and they don't crumble specifically to me. It was one player. Now it ended up being two players, but initially it was one player that, that just played out of his mind. And that was Damian Jones. And we always hear this cliche, Oh, you got to stay ready. You got to stay ready. Well, Alex Len had this moment in the third where he, he was playing really well and Tristan Thompson had some moments, but everyone was struggling with Nurkic. And then you went to Damian Jones and we got to see plenty of Damian Jones in like his, his, I think two 10 day contracts. And then when he was signed for the rest of the season last year, and he's a competent big man that can give you, I mean, I look around the league and there are a lot of teams that I think he's as good or better than, than their backup center. And with the Kings, he's like their fourth center. That's part of the problem. Right. And, you know, I have people hit me up on Twitter about Namias Kata. And I think Namias Kata two years from now is going to be ready to take over for a guy like Alex Lynn and give you that type of, production that len has been giving you but he needs that time to get his body in 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 gear with Damian jones i mean this guy was on the warriors for a long time he last season he played for the lakers for a little while and then they you know locked in with the kings but he just brought an energy and a fire and a fight that i think this this king's team needed so desperately And you kind of have like this small group of of young guys that are sitting there waiting for their time. And you just never know how they're going to perform. And you get a guy out there and he performs so well that Alvin Gentry told us there was a moment in the fourth where he had sent Alex Len to go back in the game. Alex Len was sitting there waiting to check in. And Damian Jones has this monster and one. And Gentry told us that, Alex Len looked over at him and said, Hey, let's let, let's let him ride. Let's let's let him stay in the game. He's playing really well. And Alex Len went and sat back down with of course, Gentry's blessing. He went and sat back down and they gave Damian Jones more run, you know, with the thought he might last another two minutes. He might, you know, who knows there's like six or seven minutes left in the game, but it ended up the Damian Jones was the guy who finished the game and just played so well. He was all over the court. His rotations were good. He was active and good defensively, good as a rebounder. He's uh, physical. He, yeah, he attacked the rim. I mean, he tried to kill somebody at one point with a dunk, <laughs> oh which gosh. I love. Him and Chemezi both, when they go up for a hammer, they must like practice that. Like, hey, let's try to hammer on each other like as hard as possible because they, they both have this tendency to go up, and it almost never goes in. It always hits like back <laughs> iron and flies out. But if it were to go in, they would be on Sports Center, And that's what, yeah. like, I like that they
1: bring that energy. Well, and, and Terrence Davis, I mean, when he plays, he's looking to do the same thing. And yeah. we had a guy in camp who is with the Stockton Kings and with the FIBA basketball team right now for U.S. is Emmanuel Terry, who's always trying to do it. Yep. These guys try to catch bodies all the time. But back to Damon Jones, I mean, it's like, the thing I liked about it too was he famously, his, been a part of a unit that's brought them back out of large deficits. The Phoenix game comes to mind. There was one before that. I believe it was a Utah game, maybe. Um, No, it wasn't Utah. But anyway, there was two, there was two bigger deficits that he helped bring the Sacramento back from. And you just kind of know what you're going to get. Now, maybe if he's a rotational player, you're not seeing that very often. Um, But certainly when you talk about stay ready, he's the poster child for that on this team. And the one thing he can, whether he's good or bad, the one thing you can always count on is he's going to go out there and he's going to try to lay wood. Like the guy is, yeah. If you've got someone pushing you around and granted, like if you remember, you know, Alex got into some foul trouble. Um, I think that's what initially why they went to him. And especially I think that's what kind of got Marvin off the bench too, at one point, because they just had guys that were getting into foul trouble. They needed well, five and Marvin, fouls. Marvin yeah.
2: went in the game because Harrison Barnes took a bad step. Got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's when you started to see Marvin.
1: Yeah. And then these guys, you know, foul trouble and all that as well. It's and it's all of a sudden, you know, that you've got a different team co- closing out the game for you and they looked ready. And I think, you know, he made these. both those guys have made some uh, progress. I think they do change the calculus a little bit in terms of what things look like going forward. And it does coincide with what, what Alvin Gentry said just in the, previous post game which is i don't care what the back of the jersey says you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna make moves of uh, we're gonna make these decisions based on guys who are gonna compete and so you're one for one what does it look like going into la and memphis and so on and so forth so um i i look i think you saw i i think you saw some really really good um moments but you also saw some growing pains too I mean, you know, it didn't, it didn't look great in the very beginning for Marvin in that game. Um, and even with Damian, when he got in there, I think he, he was on the floor for the first uh, minute or so before committing like a turnover or whatever. So uh, it, it, the ring rust or the court rust is definitely real with some of these guys when you're just out of rotations. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to Marvin. Um,
2: this was in one night, it was zero to hero. I mean, it was just a couple of games earlier that Marvin Bagley sat on a bike for a while in the tunnel, and then he sat down in the tunnel, and he wasn't with his teammates. And we talked about this being really, I think it was a failure on so many people that Mm -hmm. Marvin Bagley was allowed to basically, it's basically like what they did last year where they let him go home. I mean, Marvin Bagley was allowed to go and sit in the tunnel by himself and watch the game from a different vantage point and not be part of the team, not be yelling and screaming and, and cheering people on like his like his teammates were. Um, and then, you know, since Alvin's taken over, he, he played a little bit in the first game. Uh, Alvin told us, hey, you know, I'm going to go with somewhat of the same rotations, but, you know, a guy might get 18 minutes instead of 12 minutes because he's playing well. Well, then you have this situation where Harrison Barnes, Took a bad step and I saw him take the bad step. He was like in traffic. He got fouled. He came over. He sat down. I saw him reaching down to his lower leg early, but then his teammates ran right over and helped him up. And then we didn't really see the. I didn't even see him go to the locker room or disappear. Luckily, um, the, the x-rays on Marvin Bagley's, I mean, on, on, uh, Harrison Barnes foot were negative, but he does have a, have a foot sprain he's questionable uh, Friday against the Lakers. We, we have no idea. Uh, You know, this team likes to keep that stuff under wraps until the last minute, but Marvin got an opportunity and it was almost like he was going to ride with him no matter what, like there was a possibility that maybe Mo Harkless would come back in and play some four. But Alvin said, look, I was taken out. Alex was going in for, for damian jones he was not going in for marvin bagley and bagley was going to be there because we didn't have um we didn't have harrison so i think this opens a door for marvin to have a moment and i thought initially he was a beast rebounding and that was good but he still kept making mistakes and you know he had the moment where he got underneath the basket and he got a big rebound and then instead of trying to find a teammate he just was so anxious that he ended up double dribbling because he wanted to score. And then we have this moment
1: where like, by it the way, moment. that was, that was, that was like tragic, brought tragic Johnson right there. It was, that, yeah, that was so bad.
2: It was, he was just yeah. like out of sorts. And then we have this moment where one of the biggest segments of the, 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 like, it was a moment in the game. They kick it to Marvin in the corner and he drills a corner three And he is just running up and down the court, yelling and screaming. Marvin had his moment. Like, that's what everyone's been waiting for, Marvin, to have his moment. He also had
1: a moment before that, James. I think because, again, he hadn't – I think he'd hit one or two threes in this stretch because he was just missing a a lot. Like, I talk about ring rust. I always mention that in terms of fighting. But, like, yeah, the rust on him was a lot. And we hadn't been able to talk to Marvin – at least in a public setting in a while. And uh, we got our first taste after that, that victory, but, and he had just hit a three right before that. And I thought right then he puts his, the three fingers up in the air. And I felt like, I I remember thinking it could be a curse at that point. Cause I was like, Oh, look at him. He's confident now. Like, here's the confidence. (laughs) Some of the shots he was taking before that were just like absolute trash. And here he is. He buries a three. He had missed a, he had one that went in and out, I think a few plays before that. So here he is, he buries the three. And then I think that's what helped pre- precipitate the one in the corner that he buried because he, he, as Alvin Gentry said, got the mojo pack, right? There's a team that, that were looking for their mojo and he kind of got it. Um, and then he, then he went wild <laughs> and, and, yes. and good for him. And, and you saw the reaction from the team. Um, I thought, I thought that was a great moment in the season for sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was certainly a breakthrough moment. And then we have, we get to, we get into the press conference room and Alvin Gentry, once again, like spoke truth. Mm -hmm. That's where I, that, that was a moment where I thought it was such a good moment for Alvin because someone asked, well, well, I think it was Anderson, Jason Anderson asked, well, what does this mean for Marvin moving forward? And He said very specifically, "This was a really good moment for Marvin tonight. This was
1: a good moment tonight. That's all it means. Stay ready. Stay Stay ready. ready, Earn it. He 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 got a sense of earning that. Like, look, you were called upon. You entered the game. (laughs) That's that's yeah. You were a good teammate. I mean, he still was on the bike at times uh, during that game, but uh, it was it was much more infrequent. And I think the thing that I really enjoyed was." Um, and he went out there and played 18 minutes. I mean, it wasn't like here you are in eight minute stretch. Like, no, you played and it resulted in better playing time, just like it would in any other situation and an NBA team in the country. Like you earned your playing time. And you know what they, there would be some teams that would have had a little bit more of a quick, quick trigger to see if, you know, um, once they made a mistake or two, the double dribble comes to mind, obviously, because that was just the poster child of, the craziest one of the craziest moments for him um but it also like it was kind of interesting to see him and buddy healed on the floor at the same time two guys who were known as a little bit of mistake players on this team and uh, could you could you survive being nice i am (laughs) a little bit being political (laughs) uh guys that are certainly known for making mistakes you know they have they can have big moments but but when you have both of them when you have two mistake players on your team sometimes that can you know cripple your team and they closed out in a nice way um, and they were both big. I mean, Buddy was huge in that game. I was surprised we didn't get to talk to Buddy after that game. He was
2: huge, so, but he was not good early.
1: He no, made a God lot no. of mistakes It early. was live
2: by the Buddy, die by
1: the Buddy. We said it about 15 times in that. By the We looked quarter. at each
2: other and was like, live by the Buddy, die <laughs> yeah. by the Buddy. And I even, um, I had gone on the radio earlier. and I made the reference uh, with D'Lo and Casey about <laughs> the game before. Buddy healed cost him so many so many points defensively he just really he just kept leaving his man and going into the key it was just almost embarrassing yeah like, what are you doing and the problem that I have with it is Buddy Hill isn't a shot blocker Buddy Hill's not gonna block any shots he and he I, is. He I think he I is. even said like I don't even remember the last time Buddy Hill blocked a shot well then sure I enough he made everybody know about it <laughs> then sure enough he blocked a <laughs> shot right before halftime uh which, which was, was an like, incredible play Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum taking him to the hole and it was an incredible play he moved his feet it was to end the half and he got up and he and he swatted away and and it was like hey and then I got texts from uh both D'Lo and Casey ah buddy blocked a shot um and I found it humorous but at the same time like look man stick with your man do play do the game plan that's all You, you know don't Don't try to do too much because there's no, again, there's no reason for him unless he's going in to put a body on someone to rebound, then there's no reason for him to be leaving his man all the time and giving up wide open looks. And so I think we're uh, hopefully we see him grow. Because I think Alvin is going to hold him accountable big time. I don't think he's going to let him freelance and do some of the silly stuff. Now, Sean, you mentioned Davion and and I want to get to that a little bit because I mean, defensively, he was a menace and we've mm-hmm. seen him be, he's been really solid. I'm not going to say he's been elite. I think the, the, the pick and roll that, has
1: bothered him, the pick yeah. and roll, especially in this, with the size in this league, it's been something that's, that's, that's bothered him because yeah. on ball, he's as good as anyone. Yeah. But and, guys
2: still can shoot over him too. And, correct. and I oh, think no doubt, especially the pick and roll is where you really see that where he gets just a little, someone gets a little bit of separation from him and they make him pay.
1: But yeah. And and one of the things I like seeing in this game, I mean, they threw Harkless at Dame a lot, you know, they were throwing a bigger body at Dame quite a bit because someone like, you know, I think they were looking more of like, put, put Mitchell at times on, on CJ. um, However that worked and they would just rotate. And it was interesting because it ended up being Harkless on Dame quite a quite a few times, and more times than not, Harkless actually made him work and, and had some pretty solid defense. So, um, yeah, I, I think as it pertains to, to Mitchell, though, I, I think getting—I don't think he's getting lost in the pick and roll, but he definitely has a, sometimes a hard time getting around people, and you can certainly see him working though. And I think I think one—that's one of the reasons why he wants to pick guys up so quickly at half court, um, not only just to help wear them down, but to, to start harassing them before that pick comes. And yeah. then sometimes, sometimes he's forcing the pick and roll to happen way above the three-point line, which is, which is great. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I do see him struggling with that, but it's at the same time, it's the, it's the part on offense where I've been wondering, like, where have you been? <laughs> like, Gabriel yeah. Mitchell, where did you go? Um, we still see him dribbling the hell out of the basketball. I mean, there's a lot of dribbles. Um, but a lot of times it kind of coincides with a point on his end. Usually it's a pull-up or a nice little runner, of kind of a step back, whatever. Um, and, and usually it kind of means points for him, but he could definitely give up the basketball a lot sooner. He, I think I think Tyreek Evans thinks he dribbles the ball a lot. Isaiah Thomas thinks he dribbles the ball a lot.
2: Yeah, there, there were definitely some moments where he's pounding the air out of the ball. And I think that that's him trying to find his way, like Mm -hmm. he's, he's having so few moments where it's his show, but what I love to see in that particular game was him look up, see that CJ McCollum was on him and like, oh man, CJ, he he can't stay with me. He abused CJ McCollum, abused him, like took Mm -hmm. him to the rack again and again and again. And CJ was like, what in the world is happening? <laughs> and that, that's one of the few times that I've seen a young player on the Kings take advantage of a matchup and say, oh, I got this and just go at him.
1: Davion I mean loves scouting reports yeah. and he, and he watches a ton of film and he definitely does it right before the game. I mean, you remember the James book night, uh, Oh before. yeah shut that guy down. That's where I'm like, where I was like, Hey, I was like, Hey, do you have some battles with him before? He's like, I've never played against him. What? (laughs) Like what? I wasn't expecting to hear that. Like you're coming out of the same rookie class. Typically these guys have met at some point uh, and played against each other. He's like, I've never played against him. He's like, i watched film on him the night before and lived up to my nickname off night. So it was great. That's what he did with CJ. And, and, you know, what I want him to do though is to do that same type of stuff against the lesser known guards, because certainly there's a Davion is showing the knack of it's and it's just an innate ability to rise to the opposition you're going up against Dame and CJ like it's different than going up against TJ McConnell you know yeah. and and dear we I, I criticize De'Aaron a lot for that because De'Aaron gets you know the moments like Dame is the one guy that has constantly fed him his lunch and then he'll usually rise to the level of the opposition oh that's Chris Paul over there um but not care about TJ McConnell or Dennis Schroeder or whoever who come in here and they abuse him. Um, it's like the ones he overlooks. And I don't want to see Davion. I don't want to see Davion do that, but it is kind of natural. You're going to see a, a heralded point guard across from you and you're going to want to show him that you belong.
2: I, I like that. We're starting to see some of his personality. And again, I don't think like he had been pretty bad offensively for a while. Uh, Mm. And and I'll still say that like Tyrese Halliburton, they still need so much more from him. Right. I mean, he, he even did the post game interview and uh, like on the court. And actually he said something that I think was, was really interesting. And I I think it was a perfect thing to say. uh, You know, he, he said, stay with us, please stay with us Mm. to the fans. And like, he hasn't given up on this season, but, Again, the score and, and those is...
1: crowd that crowd was f- phenomenal, you know, 15,000 people in the building that night, and that crowd against Portland. It was an entertaining game, yeah, but but the crowd was, was they had they had uh, they were in the holiday festive spirit because that was a tremendous crowd.
2: It was, it was tremendous. Okay, so that's going to bring us. We're always searching for what will be the business of basketball. And I think we got to witness a, a ruckus crowd, which I'll be honest, the last, I think three crowds were not good at all. Uh, like not only did they boo the head coach until he got fired. Um, but one guy puked, one guy puked, (laughs) (laughs) man, that's such one guy puked. (laughs) Um, but they didn't show up. They didn't show up like the players didn't show up. I mean, yeah. we're, we're laughing. They're like, Oh man, they put it. Uh, what was it? 14, nine, uh, 97. Someone asked me how many fans do you think it is? I said 15,000. And yeah. was it you that said it you're off me. by three? Yeah. 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 And so I can usually tell how big a crowd is. Um, and, but I'll tell you this, the previous couple of games, They were listed at thirteen thousand something. They weren't thirteen thousand. They were maybe eleven thousand. The upper bowl has been completely empty. You can buy right now. You can buy a uh, it's a ten game pass for the month of December, where you can see every single Kings game in the month of December for forty nine dollars. That's that's crazy. So just getting in the building. That's great. That's phenomenal. You don't get assigned seats until the day of. They they'll send you a text with, with your seats. I guess uh, you have to confirm that you're going to be there the day before. They're non transferable, so you can't sell them. You can't do anything with
1: either you're going or you're not. Right. But still, I'd do it.
2: Yeah, I think here's that's, the thing.
1: I, I tell people all the time, especially if you end up in the upper deck, I would never go to my seat if I was in the upper deck. Oh but yeah. One thing that is the beautiful thing about this building, aside there's a lot of things, but. It doesn't exist for concerts this way, but buy the worst seat in the building. Never go there. And then just go stand on the concourse. There's a little rail. You can kind of like lean up against it if you want to, you know, take a load off. And dude, to the brewery phenomenal. Or go to the brewery. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's maybe the only place. But again, you could have a better vantage point than what your seat is just on the concourse and they let you stand there. Like it's completely, all the concourse is wide open at every section and you can basically go there and hang out and watch a game from right there. You can't do it for a concert, but it's tremendous. I would never go to my seat if I had an upper deck, and if I was in the upper deck, I would never do it. Okay, so
2: I'll, I I don't know if I've told this story before. When I was young, um, okay, so I, I had season tickets one year when I was when I was I think nineteen. Um, I caught every game except for one, and my seats were, uh, I think it was one hundred eighty nine dollars for the entire season. Um, so it was something like seven dollars a game Mm. and two years later those seats were like 21 bucks because uh the maloof spot and like you know took over and, and the ticket prices started climbing um like crazy and anyway maybe it was nine bucks a game i think that's probably what it was nine bucks a game maybe it wasn't 180 maybe it was 389 or something um anyway So I've, I've been to a lot of games. I've been to a lot of playoff games. Um, You know, the noise level, but I'll also tell you this, Sean, like I just like going to sporting events. So that's why I was there all the time. And if I have a seat, I'm not going to waste it. I even as a young guy, because I'm like, well, I don't want to pay for parking. I would go over somewhat near the arena and then hitchhike into the stadium. And people just, yeah, they, you just put your thumb out. People are you going into the game? Yeah, I'm going to the game. They would pick me up. I would go into the game through, so I didn't have to pay for parking. And I would go buy standing wow. room only tickets because at that point, every game you got picked sold up out. every
1: single time you hitchhiked. Oh,
2: of course. Yeah. <laughs> I probably did it like five times. And then That's I would amazing. go into a game and it would cost, I think it was either $4 or $6 for a standing room only ticket. And then you sit there and watch the game. Yeah. And you can go sit in someone else's seat because no one, you know, there are people that don't show up and every once in a while you get kicked out of your seat, but not very often. And I would just go to the game by myself and go, you know, enjoy the atmosphere and, and hang out and watch the game. So that, that to me, like the fans have always been so good. And I it's hate tremendous, to say, Yeah. yeah that we're at this point where there's like, uh, there's almost like atrophy, right? Like this thing, it, it, it's been so bad for so long that we're starting to see and ticket prices at some point got so high that some people can't do it. And then we have all the COVID restrictions and everything else. But I guess it leads me to like the business of basketball. Like Sean, you've covered a, a ton of games here. What is your favorite? What is your favorite moment that you've been at a game where just something happened that you just, I cannot believe that just happened or the vibe was so
1: incredible that you were just like overwhelmed by it. Yeah, I mean, to me, and it happened so early on. The loudest I'd ever heard the building uh, was when they closed out against the Mavericks to go to the Western Conference Finals, and the way the crowd, like, I was like, "Wow, this is loud!" They've won the game, and I remember playing that, uh, and I'm, I'm blinking on the song, but it da na na hey na na, you know that song? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah they're playing that in the building. And like, you can't even hear it. And I remember at one point, it was so loud. I was like, I'm just gonna, like, I was working for, you know, KHTK at the time. So we're all radio. And I just put my mic out to record the audio of the crowd noise. Because it was so I mean, it was the loudest I'd ever heard that building. And we've heard a lot of loud, but I remember thinking to myself, this is particularly loud. It was louder than when they were trying to let's break the sound barrier or not the sound barrier with the Guinness book of world records. Oh, and yeah. everyone screams and whatever. And they had done that a few times, but um, that was the loudest I'd ever seen And those playoff atmospheres were outstanding. So, I mean, yeah, I, I hate to always bring it back to something that happened in the playoffs when this team would make the playoffs, but you know, the Kevin Martin shot and, you know, against the Spurs was inc- an incredible mm-hmm. dramatic moment that where the crowd erupted, you know, I mean, it was just, from an atmosphere standpoint. And I, you don't usually, as much as I like it, I like atmosphere. It certainly helps. Um, I don't go to, even when I go to games uh, outside of media and things like, I just, I never really, it, it, it never, it never attracts me. Like I've had someone trying to sell soccer to me that, that way before, like, Oh my God, you'll love the atmosphere. You'll love the pageantry. You'll love all the, you know, all this, the, what the crowd is, all the tailgating. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> like, like that's fine, but like, I, it's not enough to get me in the, bu- in the building to watch soccer. Cause I'm not the biggest soccer fan. There is um, like playoff hockey, for example, like there's nothing that compares to playoff hockey, but it's the game itself. Like the atmosphere is great. Like everything, everything's amped up. I mean, things look amazing, but I'm like, no, I've experienced great crowds before I've been in, you know, incredible pay-per-view fights from boxing to UFC to, but I always take it back to the Kings. I say, if you can go, through the highs and lows with the kings like what these fans are in sacramento pageantry doesn't really matter at that point like i've been through not only the kings like even when people are you know crowning the warriors there's like these this loud fan base and how loyal they are and i'm like yeah they, they are now yeah they're good and and yeah. they're a good fan base but they're not what the sacramento kings fans are and yeah you have a build a bigger building and it's a kind of a lot like arco in the way because it's you know a very cement building it, it echoes like no other and um, so things are a little bit vibe they, they vibrate there, things sound seem louder than they might be. Um, but and they're great at their peak. But like, yeah, I mean, I've I've experienced Kings fans, so like that to me is still one of the best when it comes to atmosphere. Like nothing nothing really beats that. Like even even to this day, nothing beats that. So uh but but yeah, those are the two that come to mind in terms of just hearing that building louder than ever. And so those are some of my favorite moments because uh you know, we got to see we got to see Carl Malone and John Stockton's final game together in Sacramento. I remember yeah. them walking off the court. Um you know, I know so many of these that that's not a moment that has to do with the Kings or anything like that, but yeah, the Kings had finally beaten them and they sent them off into the sunset. One retired and the other one went to LA. So Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I I mean that's crazy. Like I I I was there for that. Um I was there in 1996 when they battled seattle uh and those were crazy what i loved about arco is that it, I, I think i've made this comparison before but it's a little bit like new york city when you walked in in the like you're in new york city the city feels alive it's different than any other city i've been to i've been to cities all over the world and and all over the country and at two o'clock in the morning, you you're out in New York city and there's still millions of people walking around and doing stuff. Like it, it literally never sleeps. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring it, it feels like you can feel it's just a different vibe. When Arco was like really in the playoffs, the, the building felt alive. You couldn't walk around even in pregame 30 minutes before the game. Fans are chanting and you know, you got goosebumps the whole time. The whole place felt like it was alive. And I don't know how else to describe it other than that. And, you know, again, I've been through that. I I, Even Western Conference Finals, I went to one of the Western Conference Final games. Um, You know, I've been to incredible playoff games there. I mean, I I was in the Oakland Coliseum when Derek Jeter made the play on Jeremy Giambi at home plate. Mm-hmm. I, I've been to like incredible events. Even I was at the finals. Uh, I think tw- hmm, the when Cleveland beat Golden State, uh, I was in the building. Yeah. And yeah, when Golden State beat Cleveland, I so I was in the locker room with both of those. Uh, and then also being in Toronto, see that was a different vibe too. Toronto, I think the fans had been so hungry for so long that they really lost their marbles. <laughs> and we even had like there were moments where they were aggressive with media while we were trying to get down for post game, and they were shoving and wouldn't let us through and very unCanadian of them um they booed well no they cheered when kevin durant popped his achilles yeah. and uh kyle lowry grabbed the mic and chastised his own fan base yeah, and said, that that that's was, not that that's trash. not who we are um so i've been in like crazy situations but you're right, Sean. There's nothing that compares when when Kings fans are really going, when it's like an important, something amazing is happening. Even like in my time covering the team, the Bogdanovich shot is huge. But like the one shot that stands, the my first season was the Tyreek Evans shot where um, me and Zach Harper were sitting in the upper bowl where they used to put us. And the ball came right at us and it started curving and we started leaning because it looked like it had a shot. And it was like, Oh man. And you saw Dante green walk out onto the court with his hands up because he knew it was clean. And that moment where that building lit up like a candle, like boom, like the entire place is screaming and yelling. He jumps up on the scoreboard on the score table and Jason Jones is grabbing his legs, trying to make sure he doesn't fall and it's just like this incredible scene. Those are like, again, I, I think that's the best part about the fan base is that even though they get they get stomped on by ownership or management or the players who, who quit or whatever, there is always a moment where they're in it. And yeah. that's what I think that was the best part of Wednesday, right? We got to see a fan base that once again was like, dear Lord is this actually good basketball? Is this going to happen?
1: I thought it was probably the best crowd of the season. I know I had said one earlier than that. I know it's still so early, so I hope it's not the best one. I hope there's still more to come, but this is, this is just that taste. Like you, this franchise has known just absolute awful seasons for the majority of its time in Sacramento. And it just shows, it's like a glimpse of just what can be, you know, if this team does get back to the post cause that's going to be incredible. Like you saw Jurassic park out there in, in, oh, yeah. in Toronto and I can see Doko lined up the same way and just filled the same way. I mean, it could be, it could be pretty special out there and be kind of a, kind of a crowd. And, um, and, you know, they'll do it right. You know, you yeah. just, <laughs> that, excuse me. That's just one of the things, you know that they're going to do it right when it comes to uh even just an opening playoff game where maybe it's a play in tournament and they're going to make it look like it's the NBA finals. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And like in Toronto, I interviewed a father and son who had been sitting out on the streets for three days, hoping to get to be the first ones in to Jurassic park, not to get tickets just to make sure that they were part of Jurassic park. And then the Raptors found out about it and right at the last second gave a father and son. Um, the dad was probably close to 50. The son was, you know, early, you know, late teens, early twenties. And they, they came out and gave them seats to the game mm. and brought him in. And that was, I mean, but that's, that's the the fan base that I know is here at Sacramento. Like if, if things do ever turn. And so like, I, I, I hope that that happens. I hope that they, the fans get that chance to see a winner again and, and get to uh, go through all that stuff. I mean, Doko is seriously built for uh, the Jurassic park scene, like just what they, they did up in, in Toronto. So. Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure. Hope they can right. pack them in there and you got those big screens out there. that look great.
2: Yeah. It, it would be amazing to see. So, all right, Sean, I think that's gonna, that's gonna wrap it. Uh, do you have any final thoughts here on the Kings Beat podcast?
1: Just Thanksgiving. Why do y'all eat so early? Just stop. <laughs> it still bothers me, you know. And here's this: I, I have I live in a family that you know. As much as I love Thanksgiving, I didn't get turkey, and I I get so pissed off every year that look, I would help make the food. I would if I if I could. My family takes complete ownership in that, so I'm just the guy that cleans up everything at the end, and then I have no qualms in doing so. Um, but man. What's Thanksgiving without turkey? You don't do prime rib or, or Chinese food or anything like that on Thanksgiving. Like, get turkey. That's the day you do it. Christmas, you can get wild and do the prime rib and everything else. Like, what are we doing?
2: I'm doing prime rib for uh, for Christmas for sure. Yeah. And you said Chinese food. It always reminds me of Christmas story, right? Where the <laughs> book gets his dog eats, eats the turkey, and so they end up uh, at at the Chinese food restaurant That's having right. dinner for for uh, for Christmas. All right, so uh, again, big shout out, Cowbell Crazy uh, from Paul Jinkerson as our intro and outro outro music. Um, Just really spectacular stuff there. Um, Make sure to subscribe to The King's Beat if you jump in and do a paid subscription. Uh, You'll get to read James's deep, dark thoughts on what transpired over the weekend, which is heavily sourced. And uh, not the truth, according to James, but uh, really an honest assessment of what happened. And so if you want to jump on board and do a paid subscription, uh, I'll send it to your inbox. If not, all of the loyal listeners out there who are already paid subscribers, they're going to get it uh, first. As soon as the podcast is wrapped up and edited and put out, uh, hiding at the bottom of the podcast page is going to be a... Another long-form piece of uh, some ugliness, some not so pleasant uh, stuff that that you can read and you know put it in the back of your mind as something that happened and something that uh, is going to impact the future as well. You um, learn and
1: you grow or, from it, <laughs> or
2: you don't. Or you Sean. don't, <laughs> or you do the same thing again and again and again and expect something different happen happening and you're uh you know basically doing the uh the definition of insanity insanity so insanity insanity all right so that's going to do it for this edition of the king's beat podcast look for the king's beat happy hour announcement the virtual happy hour which will happen next week uh and uh, i'm super excited for that and we will see you soon so for sean cunningham ABC 10s, Sean Cunningham. Yeah. I am ESPN 1320s, Kings Insider, James Ham. We'll see you early next week.
0: Mother's Day is almost here.